Which Utah football players won the pro day? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, I want to thank you guys for continuing to like, subscribe to our show. We are so close to a 1,000 subscribers. I believe we're about 12 away at the time of recording this, so we appreciate if you guys are new to the channel to like and subscribe for us. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, an official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment matter more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. My name is JT Wistel, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Communications Department. Now host of Locked on Utes. And on today's show, we're going to be diving into all things pro day related and all things Utah draft stock, really. The Utah football team had their guys going at it in the pro day today. Also had, we heard from guys where Dalton Kincaid, Clark Phillips, and Brandon Daniels did not do any of the testing basically because they already did all of it at the combine so you've already seen them do it once but they got to talk to the media a little bit we'll talk about their quotes a couple things that coach ludwig said too and close a little bit on utah gymnastics and utah women's basketball but as i said let's start with the pro day and i think the first thing you got to talk about is how awesome it is that the utes were in the position to have 31 of 32 nfl teams no rams by the way which is a little strange to me considering hey rams when you won a super bowl a little bit ago i know eric weddle was up there in age but eric weddle a utah guy Terrell Burgess was a key special teamer for them, a Utah guy. And of course, the most important one, or I mean, you could argue him or Weddle probably for that team. Also, how about Matt Gay and everything he was able to do for them too? So I think that it's weird to me the Rams weren't there. They've always drafted and kind of scouted. The way they do things is very different. They don't play any other guys in the preseason at all. Um, Obviously, they don't have any first-round picks because they're always trading them away for star players. Hey, got him a ring. I can't complain. I know me. I'd love to see my NFL team win one. But uh, either way, still cool that 31 or 32 NFL teams were at the Combine. So let's talk about the testing. And the first guy you got to talk about who won the day was Mahmoud Diabate. Diabate was one of the Combine snubs because he's one of the guys, Bruce Feldman actually mentioned it, that he listed Diabate as one of his college football top freaks entering the 2022 season and you can see why with a performance like Diabate had he measured in at 6'3 225 his 40 yard dash was a 5'4 good for a linebacker 34 inch was the vertical that was best amongst all Utah players and the 11 broad jump was not only the best amongst all the Utah players attendance the 11 broad jump was better than anyone did at the NFL combine so truly remarkable stuff and what else do you do he threw up 20 reps on the bench press I think Diabate won the won the pro day for Utah and it was great with all the scouts excuse me in the eyes that were there and on him he was able to show out and have this kind of performance and honestly i think whatever you do something that no one else is done or you do something better in terms of testing wise than anyone's done in this draft i expect the abate to get drafted now i think he was a fringe kind of six seven guy i just think he's too athletic when you talk about the speed strength even the ability to leap up he's an exceptional pass rusher as we talked about like an outside linebacker if they want to use him there I still think some team's going to take a chance on him in the sixth or seventh round. Maybe he'll be a high priority free agent. We saw that with Nephi school last year, but a lot of times in the NFL, you roll the dice on talent. And I think that's what we're going to see here is I think we're going to see a team roll the dice on a very talented player. Who's only continued to test well. So I think Diabate overall would be the winner of the pro day, but he wasn't the only one who performed well. I do think some other guys still performed well and did what they could to help elevate their stock a little bit. I should say, 
I'll be honest. I don't think anyone else in this group I'm about to discuss is going to get drafted. And let's start with the one name that could be a surprise amongst that is Tavion Thomas. Tavion measured at six foot, 246. His 40 times, he worked hard to try to improve him. He wasn't able to. His first one was a 4'8". Second was a 4'7'8". The vertical was 31 and a 5 inch. The broad jump, 9'7". Uh, 15 reps on the bench. So not bad on the bench, too. Was, but one, the big thing for him was always going to be that 40 time. It's the reason he ran. He was the only youth that was invited to the combine that didn't that participate in the drills. And why did he do that? Because he was still trying to raise and elevate his stock. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that. So I... Would be surprised with Tavion if he got drafted just based on how last season went for him, not testing the way he liked. I think he will get an opportunity. I think a team will be intrigued by what he put on tape in 2021 and how he looked more explosive then and just maybe think they can get that version out of him. But it's tough. I will caution teams though when it comes to if they are interested in at least bringing Tavion in for a workout. As exciting as these pro days and the combine and all that those numbers are, um, I don't know if you guys know who Orlando Brown is, but he was the left tackle on the Chiefs. They just won the Super Bowl. He just got a nice deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. Orlando Brown had one of the worst combines in NFL history and has since, and literally, like I believe the 40 time he ran was one of the five slowest of all time. None of those other players ever made it to the NFL even. And not only has Brown made it to the NFL, he's been a Pro Bowl left tackle now, basically. So he's turned into an incredible player. Just goes to show you, testing's not everything. At the end of the day, you hire... You're drafting these guys to be football players, and you should evaluate what's on the tape first to me, and then the testing and the other stuff can come um, second. You gotta eva- There's a lot of things when it comes to NFL draft evaluation, right? you got to analyze the tape, but also level of competition if the guy's at a lower level when trying to do things. It, being an NFL scout is very, very difficult, and it's not easy to nail this stuff. That's why I remember years ago, look, everyone loves to jump on the bear for drafting Mitch Trubisky, right? Well, there were a lot of people who thought Mitch Trubisky was, was not a bad pick in the top five. Now, obviously, he was in hindsight, and everyone wished they could go back and take Patrick Mahomes, but that's just the reality of the situation. So I do think it's important to remember that the numbers aren't everything, but needless to say, this is not the result Tavion was hoping for. Outside of Tavion, looking at a couple of the other guys, uh, it was fun to see Logan Kendall throw up 26 reps on the bench press. I mean, his 40s were both in the 4-9, so that just kind of shows you the kind of player he is, basically. He's not the fastest guy, but an absolute physical mauler in the run game. He's not someone who's really going to break open on the outside, but I think it'd be, I mean, I think, especially even as like a fullback, I think he could be really effective at the NFL level. Um, the broad jump was all right at 9-4, nine, nine so I, I still give Logan in 6-2, basically 250 is 249. So I, I think Logan will still have some value as an undrafted free agent for uh, as a fullback to some team. RJ Hubert did pretty well. He measured at 5'11", 199, 40 times in the four fives, which is right around average for safeties. 39 inches was the vertical 10, eight, the broad jump also good and 22 on the bench press. So RJ's another guy. I think he's going to get an invite somewhere. I think these are good, good testing numbers for him. I don't think these are like any red flags and that's all you're really trying to avoid. And he's just trying to show like, Hey, just give someone's radar. Like, Oh, that guy did intrigue some of the scouts there who also who also like your film and rj still put out a lot of good film last year unfortunately he also put out a lot of film that was not as good last year so that'll be interesting to see um other guys there was jalen dixon solomon enos they both tested well look neither of these guys are unfortunately going to get drafted i think when you're talking about jalen dixon he's just not big enough hopefully he'll get an invite to a, a camp somewhere but we'll see solomon enos not just not a good enough route runner in my opinion or i should say just not a fast enough is i guess the better word he ran okay four six four five but just doesn't have that ability to separate so i think it is going to be hard for him to well i don't expect him to get drafted and we'll see if he ends up getting signed by a team um the last guy worth mentioning is gabe reed reed measuring at six one two forty three ran four eights which is fine for dns 31 five the inch vertical which is all right nine seven the broad jump 22 reps so but once again just reed not an exceptional uber athletic guy off the edge you bend there's a reason we talked about like Diabate being more of a combine snub than 
than Reed. I just think teams are going to be looking for a little, I guess, guys who are a little more explosive off the edge, I would say. And that's not uh, Reed's game as much. So hopefully these guys impressed enough where they can earn invites to NFL teams via the via the undrafted free agency period. But that's it'll be interesting to see because, as I said, I think they did fine, and I think they put themselves in position to earn those undrafted free agent spots. But there's only one guy who really put himself in a position to get drafted to me. That's Diabate. If Tavion's going to get drafted, it's for nothing he did at this combine for me. So either way, another successful pro day for the Utes, and it was great to see once again nearly every NFL team. Rams you get, next year, let's make it 32 out of 32. Um, it was great to see so many NFL teams show up and show out. There's been a lot of quotes thrown around that we have more access to the Utah football team, whether that's coaches for spring ball or these guys who are going to get drafted that were in town for their pro day, just to be able to talk with some of the scouts and do some different things. Dalton Kincaid even got a little three minute interview with NFL network. That was nice to see. So we'll touch on those interviews and what was said there in a moment. But first I want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving away customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to the point spread to which teams will be cutting down the net on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. There's lots of things going on right now when it comes to FanDuel and sports betting. Obviously, March Madness, the NBA heating up. So make sure you guys head over to FanDuel and make every moment matter more with FanDuel. Also, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at UCCU. UCCU is opening a new branch in Vineyard to celebrate. UCCU is giving a 2023 Kawasaki Teary. UTV, the new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch, multiple driver planes, 24-hour ATM, and UCCU's brand new interactive teller machines, or ITM for sure, which provide all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional, either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So celebrate with UCCU and it'll win a 2023 Kawasaki Teary times four UTV. Winners will be announced in April, but the entry deadline is March 31st. You guys have just days left to enter to win that Kawasaki Teary times four UTV. You can stop by UCCU's new branch in Vineyard or enter at uccu.com. Make sure you guys hurry up either way and get on this. And you don't even have to be a member at UCCU to enter, so there is no excuse and no purchase necessary. UCCU, love where you bank. All right, coming back into this one, let's talk about some of the quotes, right? Everyone loves chitty chatty. That's one of the things we get out of spring ball, right? Because spring, what is spring ball about too? It's about development, but it's also about hype. What goes into, the, for us media people, right? Because we're not, we look, we see the final 20 minutes of practice. So we can see a guy make a play or two, but it's no different than highlight reel. I can, I could edit, I could have edited a nice highlight reel back in the day when I played football that would have made people go, oh, it's really nice. But then you watch the rest of your film and you would go, oh yeah, I see why they moved him away from setter because he can't snap because once again, just those best plays paint a certain picture so spring ball is a great preview and a tease but a lot of the stuff we get is about the hype we have coming into fall where you we see these guys on the field in the games what all this practice what all this time and preparation is for so it was great to hear from some of the utah coaches we'll touch on them in a second but first I want to talk about the utah player who at this point feels like a lock to be the highest drafted you to look clark phillips will still make a push at it i hope to see clark and dalton in the first round but dalton stock just continues to keep climbing versus clark stock feels kind of stagnant right now just based on looking at kind of the hype and what's available out there so dalton said he was cleared to begin working out this past monday and will be cleared for contact six weeks which is in may he was originally talked about i think i believe he said at the combine he would be good to go at the pro day that just ended up not being the case after talking it he's being very cautious about his back as he should be because he wants to be 
bowl go ready by the time September rolls around and there's no setbacks. And look, he already said he's going to be good to go by May 1st. He also said that his back is good right now, and he plans to show teams he's healthy with a workout prior to the draft to make up for missing the pro day. He said, this is a quote from Kincaid, I'm going to run some routes, kind of do some drills. He said, I'll either invite some people out to watch that, or I'll just record it and send it out to some teams just to confirm that he's healthy. So either way, I think it's great for Dalton. Just want to reassure those teams that you're healthy guys can fall for the craziest things in the nfl draft because look jobs are on the line you got to hit in the draft if you don't if you take a guy because he has an injury history and then all he does is get hurt you're especially high like in the first round like first round picks is what especially guys like nfl owners right like if you have a bunch of under the radar third and fourth round picks that have turned into solid players, they're going to look at your first and go, yeah, but you've drafted all these first round busts. I think back to like the Raiders, some of their recent drafts. Now, not all those, obviously there's the whole Henry Rugg situation. So some of that stuff is not controllable, but the guys like Clellan Farrell and there's a few of Alex Leatherwood. I mean, those are guys who are just simply put, they were busts. So either way, um, it's just one of those examples of like these guys that you got to remember if they have injuries or stuff, you just got to be careful because there's a lot of pressure in the first round. So I think it's smart that Dalton is going to show teams like, Hey, don't, don't forget about me. I am healthy guys. I know it's a, I know it's concerning whenever you hear back, like back stuff can be nervous, especially because back stuff can mean a lot of things, but he said he was good. I'm sure Kincaid's being transparent with them. And I think it's smart of him to put out a little, excuse me, hype video before the draft rolls around just to kind of reassure him reassure everyone like, Hey, I'm good to go. I'm still that guy that tore up USC and I'm ready to be a first round pick. So I think Dalton still got a good shot to be a first round pick. And it was encouraging to hear from him. And I think that's exactly why he went to the pro day was to just be like, Hey, I'm here. I'm good. Don't worry. Just kind of reassure everyone. Someone else who was also there, but did not compete was Clark Phillips and Clark said the reason he didn't run or really well, actually he did some of the drills but the reason he didn't do any of the testing was because he talked about how much of a burden it was at the combine this is a direct quote from clark it was a weight lifted off my shoulders at the combine it was more okay we're not training for a track meet we're training for football he said that's what i looked at like i'm a football player i guard receivers i make football players i don't play for i don't play 40 i don't play shuttle i don't i play football i'm just glad to get that out of the way and play football in front of these guys and once again uh, that quote comes from us from the desert news and this from clark right here is just is once again it's kind of what i was talking about with the whole orlando brown thing right like these guys are football players don't lose sight of that that is the most important thing when it comes to evaluating them is the tape and how they did and how they look now granted i think one of the reasons clark will end up falling out of the first round just just what my guts tell me right now i think clark deserves to be a first round pick i think it's a size thing right here we know he is not when you think of shutdown corners in the nfl they all have a certain height to them. Now, all Clark has done is defy the odds. And as I said, I would take Clark in the first round. But players with Clark's physical profile at corner usually don't get drafted in the first round. I still expect him to be a high second, and I hope teams do evaluate him based on that. I also think Clark ran okay in the four fives, but I think it would be better for him draft-wise if he had ran like in the four fours, I'd say. I think that would have helped to raise his stock a little bit. So I think it was a smart for him not to run there, but it was still good to see him working out in the drills and uh, – Look, Clark's a beast. I have no doubt he's going to do well. And uh, once again, I just really like that quote about like, hey, guys, I know we all get enamored with testing numbers. And, ooh, this guy ran this fast of a 40 and all that. But I think back to speaking of another Pac-12 player, I don't like putting down the Pac-12. But uh, but John Ross, I mean, drafted in the top 10 because he just ran a super fast 40 and look, turned into a bust. Some of that's injury related. But either way, that 40 really just changed the perception when he had all this tape out there and film on him. So. Just an example of, once again, make sure the film is the most important thing when it comes to these guys. Now, let's talk about what Andy Ludwig said, because Andy Ludwig spoke with the media this past week when uh, the offensive media availability was there. So here are a couple of the quotes from the scrum that occurred. 
Um, this is from Coach Ludwig about why he decided to stay at Utah rather than go to Notre Dame. I'm a Utah man. I came back in 2019 to finish my career with Coach Witt. There was some intrigue with the pos- position, talk about the Irish offensive coordinator job, but as all things were measured out, I made that decision, the commitment here to coach, to the administration, the players, and just fired up to get this spring ball in this March for a championship repeat, repeat going. Repeat, repeat is kind of fun. I know we all love saying back-to-back, but that's just something fun about saying repeat, repeat, which would be exactly what it is. He also asked if he planned on finishing his career, and he said, I'm going to finish my football career at Utah. Yes, but he did feel like, this once again, another quote from him and coming, he said that when Notre Dame called, they felt like he had to listen. I mean, that's a big part of the profession, said Ludwig. There was some intrigue, he said, but when all the chips were on the table and you're measuring the pros and cons, this is the place. Coach Witt is the guy I want to work for. The Utah players and the Utah culture is what I want to be a part of. He also did go on to speak glowingly of Marcus Freeman, and it's one of the reasons he took the interview, so that's not a shot at him, but look, Marcus Freeman, just in his first year as head coach at Notre Dame, they obviously underwhelmed. Who would you rather have coaching your football team right now, Coach Witt or Coach Marcus Freeman? It's obviously Coach Witt right now based on everything he's accomplished. I believe Coach Witt is one of the five best coaches in college football, easily a top 10. Um, You guys can – I don't think there's much debate to that, basically. I think most would agree he's top 10 at least, and I think I can make a strong case for him being top five with what he's accomplished at Utah as of recently. But either way, great to just hear from Coach Ludwig how committed he is here, and it'll be interesting to see how long he's going to – is if when Witt retires, is he just going to retire right with him? Is he going to stay a couple years after Witt? That, that'll be an interesting discussion to play out. But uh, one other thing that's worth mentioning is Jim Harding said he was never in discussions with Notre Dame. That wasn't surprising. Um, we didn't really talk about this. We talked about uh, how Jim Harding might become the offensive coordinator if Ludwig leaves. I didn't spend much time on Jim Harding going to Notre Dame because I hadn't heard that from any, rely, any reliable sites. And I'm not like saying, oh, my sources told me this because I don't have a ton of crazy sources, as you guys know. But Jim Harding just said, like, yeah, there, that was more just kind of Twitter chatter. Like, I was always going to stay out here in Utah. So just another good thing to hear. And it's great to hear that one of the best offensive line coaches and one of the most successful recent offensive coordinators in the country are going to be staying up on the hill and with the Utah football program. So first week of spring ball in the books, a very successful start to the spring season for the Utes. We're going to talk more spring ball next week, but want to close it out with two Utah teams currently in season, the gymnastics and women's basketball programs. Both got a chance for some postseason success coming up this weekend. We will touch on that in a moment, but first I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, and you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier, but don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like real candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can just head over to your local Smith's or Sam's Club and pick them up. That's right. Head to your nearest Smith's or Sam's Club today and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You guys can thank me later. Make sure you guys head over and get in on those great offers from Built Bar, either at Built.com, your local Smith's, or Sam's Club. All right, coming in to close this one out, we got to talk about, let's start with the Utah women's gymnastics team first, shall we? Gymnastics has an unbelievable opportunity this weekend. They are looking to go for their competing for a record 47th consecutive national championship appearance. And look, this team just won their third straight Pac-12 championship. 
I see no reasons they're not going to advance beyond regionals. And how will they go about advancing beyond regionals? Well, the Los Angeles regional, because there's four regionals, Pittsburgh, Denver, Norman, and then Los Angeles, where Utah is, is broke up. The Los Angeles one in each region is broken into two sessions. The first session Utah's in is Utah, Auburn, Southern Utah, and Washington. And as long as Utah finishes in the top two, I have no doubt they're going to do that. In the first one, they will advance. And after that, they'll t- they will take on the winners from session two, which is UCLA, Missouri, Stanford, BYU, slash Boise. So in that se- in those two sessions, it's look, we expect the top four teams and that to move on. But either way, there's U- Utah's the five, UCLA's the four. I ex- Utah, we just they just won the Pac 12. They just beat out UCLA for that championship. UCLA is ranked higher because of that. I've had Josh for long and Michelle and Sammy and so many other guests on who've said to clock NQS score. There it is. Just came to me. So the NQS score um, that helps elevate them above the Utah and all that. But uh, either way, I expect Utah to just take care of business on the beam, the floor, the vaults, the bars. I wanted to say on the mat, but this isn't wrestling. So I, to, I wanted to list out all four, but either way, I expect Utah to take care of business in both of those sessions and re- and then advance themselves to the national championships, which will be held in Fort Worth, Texas on April 13th through the 15th. So going to be a successful weekend for the Utah gymnastics team. And we also hope it's going to be a successful weekend for the Utah women's basketball team. Utah women's basketball team got as a chance to do something special here currently in the sweet 16 right now. And they got a good bout against LSU coming up here. Look, LSU is 30 and two. So it looks really intimidating, but let's not forget LSU has like no quality wins. That's why Utah at 27 and four is higher ranked than that LSU team. That is 30 and two overall. And look, Utah got a gritty win against Princeton, didn't play a perfect game, but all that matters is that you get the win in the end. And I think they're feeling ready heading into this bout with LSU. The Tigers score 83.2 points per game. They more than the 66 Utah allows when LSU reaches the 66 mark. It's 29 and one on the year. They have a player in Reese who has 6.6 offensive rebounds per game. And the Tigers also crashed the offensive glass while the season averaging 17.3 per game that is the total the second best in the sec and the third best in the country those come from espn so look you can hear it right there the most important thing for utah is going to be controlling the glass we know what Alyssa peely can do in the interior but the utes don't have the biggest size so this could be a challenge for them it's going to be a tough matchup but i have the utmost confidence in lynn roberts and this group and i think they will take care of business and they will advance on and look it's going to be utah i should say as well utah women's basketball um I thought I had the bracket pulled up, but I must have accidentally closed it down. If they win this game against LSU, then they will advance to the Elite Eight, of course. And awaiting them in the Elite Eight is actually going to be, um, I believe, it's supposed to be Indiana. But because Indiana lost, yes, it'll be the winner of Miami or Villanova. So the two best teams up left in the bracket on, on the top right side of this thing. I don't can't tell if it's the West or the East at the moment. Either way, right now. So if Utah wins, they should be able to beat Miami and Villanova. And then Bada bing, bada boom, you find yourself in the final four in Dallas, which is once again insane for a program that won five games two years ago. So hats off to Lynn Roberts, and I'm excited to see what this Utah team can do. I expect Alyssa Peely to have a huge game in both games. She's been this team's best player all season, Pac-12 player of the year for a reason. I think Gianna Neepkins will have a bounce-back game after struggling a little bit against Princeton. I think Jenna Johnson, Deja Young will make some big plays too, and 
I'm sure there will be a bunch of other Utes who step up. But either way, I like the way this plays out for Utah. I think it's going to be a gritty win against that LSU team. No pun intended because of all the Justin Jefferson stuff. But I think the Utes barely pull that one out. Sure, they might get beat on the glass, but I think Utah's shooting and some clutch plays from Alyssa Peely, who we know, even though she's not the tallest post player, doesn't matter. She still gets buckets down low, just like she did on Stanford's bigs. I think she gets it done there. And then I think Utah rolls over Miami or Villanova. And by the next time you guys hear me talking on this mic, we will be talking about the Utah women's basketball team in the final four. That's how I feel about that that sentence. And once again, I feel like it's extremely likely. So it's going to be fun to see how it all plays out. Make sure you guys tune into Locked On Use next week. We'll be talking about this. We'll have a ton more stuff from spring ball coverage too. And that'll all be happening next week on Locked On Use. Once again, if you stick around to the end, thank you for that. Also, would implore you guys to subscribe. Once again, Road to 1,000 closing in so much. Can't thank you guys enough for your support. And also, if you're in the market for a second listen every day, we recommend you check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, where host Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you know on and off the court plus you can hear from big name experts coaches players throughout the basketball landscape locked on college basketball available on youtube and wherever you get your podcast whether it's all the madness going on in march or all the coaches hires and the shakeups and the transfer portal college basketball just like college football doesn't really have an off season anymore so make sure you guys are tuning in to locked on college basketball daily and we appreciate you for making locked on you to your first listen every single day have a great weekend and go Utes.